Today we're going to talk about generosity as a whole. Uh, here's the problem. Generosity is often viewed as an obligation to the church rather than an opportunity as the church. Let me say this again. A lot of times when we think about being generous and generosity, we think about, and this is problematic, an obligation that we should be generous to the church. And that implies that you're an outsider looking into an entity that you don't exist in, and you're, you're bestowing on them a blessing from your ivory tower. Okay? And we feel obligated. Yesterday, I'm in, I'm in line at the Home Goods store. How many of you guys like Home Goods? Man, dangerous store. And I have, uh, I, I have a couple of my kids with me. And, hey, sir, would you like to donate you know, some money to X and X Foundation? You can round up this and that. And I said, oh, no, no thank you. Um, and I always feel like, see, because the customer before me said yes. She's like, sure. How much? She's like, $5. The guy started shaking a cowbell. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. He goes, woo! Woo! We have a $5 donation here. The lady literally was like, Now I'm up. I'm sweating. I'm like, the pressure's on me. He's like, would you like to donate? And I'm just like, no. <laughs> Mainly because I'm an introvert and I'm thinking, if this dude yells, I'm going to reach across and punch him in his throat. <laughs> okay, sorry, I'm a pastor. I don't, do, I, don't, I don't think thoughts like that. I don't ever, ever. Okay? Gosh. Come on. Just pass me a tater tot. Oh, can you tell what kind of day we're in for? So listen, generosity is not our obligation. It is not your obligation to this church, to any church. It is our opportunity as the church. And we are going to step into it with both feet. We're not going to dip our toes in it. We're going to talk about this today. Uh, let me define generosity. Uh, I'm going to define the word generous because I think this is really important. Generous means to share in abundance. I'm going to really make this easy, to share in abundance. Now, abundance as it pertains to what? Now, uh, if, if you're a person, uh, that means you're going to share in abundance. You're going to show an abundance of sharing by showing a readiness. I'm going to read the definition. Showing a readiness to give more of something as money or time. So I'm not negating money, but this isn't a message on money, okay? So it's cool. Okay, so... Showing a readiness to give more of something as money or time than is strictly necessary or expected. Okay? Well, how much do you need? That's not a generous question. Let me say this again to this side of the room, okay? <laughs> how much do you need is not rooted in generosity. That's rooted in a lack mentality. That whatever it is you need, I'll do my best to help you get just to that. Let me say this a different way. 
Um, what do you need to survive? And I want you to know that my goal for you in life as, as leader here is not that you would survive spiritually, physically, emotionally, relationally, but that you would thrive. So when we share in abundance, we're now activating the thriving that actually God, I think God has for you in your life, but we can't do it based on what do you need. It's more than is, need, than is needed or expected. From someone says, you know, oh gosh, okay, what, what, what does it take for XYZ to happen? And they're like, well, it's $1,000. And then all of a sudden you show up with 10000 That's generosity. Are you with me? If it's a thing, it's larger or more plentiful than is usual or necessary. So generosity can be time, time spent. Well, how much time do I have to be at the party? My wife usually follows it up with, it's your own party. <laughs> and I told her, when I die, don't make me sit around in an urn for too long. Just toss me in the ocean. We want to be generous. We want to share in abundance. There is no community, no organization, no entity who has the unique opportunity that the church has. We're the only ones that has the unique opportunity of sharing in the abundance of God through generosity. We're the only thing in the world that exists, the church. This is powerful for us to grab a hold of as we partner with God in generosity. So we have an opportunity to set ourselves apart from the rest of the world by being generous. Now, we're going to do this through three things. We want to have more than necessary or expected generosity, but we're going to start with being rooted in reverence, relationship, and gratitude. And those are the things we're going to talk about today. We've been in the book of Acts, chapter 2, and we've been in the very back part, verse 42 to 47. This is really important. From verse 42 to 47, actually the whole entire chapter of, of Acts 2, specifically 42 to 47, you can jump forward in the book of Acts and you can see the byproduct of what happened, verse 42 to 47, you can see it play out for the rest of the book of Acts. So it's super important that we get this down. I'm going to read this, Acts 2.42. This is really super, e super easy. If you were with us last week, you're going to get this answer right. It's a pop quiz. Verse 42 starts out by saying, all. How many is all? How, does anyone remember the number? 3,120. Boom. I should have gold stickers for you guys. That was brilliant. Okay, 3,120. There's 120 in the upper room in the beginning of Acts 2, and then the Holy Spirit shows up, and a bunch of people get saved. 3,000 people get saved, and so there's 3,120 people. These All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, sharing in meals, and to prayer. That was last week. Now we're going to jump in. What's the byproduct of that? What happens because of that? A deep sense of awe came over them all. How many is all? 
Okay, so a deep sense of awe comes over every single one of them. Virtually impossible from a, from a human standpoint to get everybody to respond the exact same way, right? It's just like that in and of itself is a miracle. And it says, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared their meals with what? Great joy and can I tell you that where you find joy, you find generosity? Can I tell you that where you find generosity, you will find increasing joy? I have not met one person in my life that is generous by the definition that I just said. I'm not talking about a person who just meets the needs for people to survive. I'm talking about the person who goes above and beyond, that exudes this idea of generosity. I have not met one person who has a generous spirit that is not joyful. There is a partnership between joy and generosity. And so, and so I just want us to stop for a second and acknowledge this. In a society with decreasing joy, in a world where we're finding more depression, more anxiety, more suicides, more loneliness, more isolation, more of a lack of what do I belong to? Am I loved? Can I tell you that the number one thing that you and I can do to increase our joy is to be generous? You're like, I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> there, 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 there is a proven, by the way, you can go to Google, Rabbi, you know, and you can, talk, you can type in connection between joy and, and generosity, and you will find studies that have been done. It increases people's mental and emotional. Like, science is figuring out what God already <laughs> told us. Like, why are we so willing to listen to the PhD, but we're not willing to listen to the God who created the mind of the person who has the PhD? D, so we make gods out of science, but God is the one who created the science to be studied and revealed. And it says, great joy and generosity, and all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people, each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. What a beautiful byproduct. It's our goal. Like, I, I want to see people get saved. Right? I want to see someone walk in the door who is desperate for a change in their life. And maybe that's you this morning and you don't know what it is you're looking for, but you're looking for something. And I don't know, maybe the person sitting next to you has a full relationship with Jesus and you're like, I don't even know if I believe in Jesus, but I, I, I have this deep longing and sense I need to believe in something. That this morning, our goal, I'm asking the Lord to touch your heart, to reveal himself to you through this message of generosity because he's a generous God. And the first thing that we should do is root, as a church, is root our generosity in reverence to him. Let's talk about reverence for a second. Generosity begins by being rooted on a foundation 
of reverence. It says in, in verse 43, a deep sense of awe came over them all. Now, awe, the word is fear, terror. And I, and I want to give us a healthy perspective of, of what this means. That there, there's a healthy fear of God that they held. Not because God is the big, bad, boogeyman in the sky that created all things and wants to like, you know, hit you over the head when you don't do what's right. That's not his heart. That's the human heart projecting onto God how we would respond. Don't try to gaslight God. This is what awe means. It's reverence for one's husband. The church has a reverence to the bridegroom, Jesus, a healthy understanding. You know, uh, when I visited Yosemite for the first time last year, I stood in the valley at 4,000 feet elevation, and I'm below this giant granite slab, El Cap, and I'm looking at it, and I, I became keenly aware of how small I was and how big God must have been to literally, with his breath, with his words, and create. Like, very healthy fear. God, you're very big. And I'm not you. Okay? So there's, I just want to establish, there's a healthy awe and fear that we have for God. But I, I also want to tell you, I, I think society has lost it. I think society by and large struggles with this. We have more fear of man. We have more fear of what they think. We have more fear of what she thinks, of what he thinks. We hold ourselves accountable to the words of man more than we do to the words of our creator. So this, there's a revealed reverence toward God in the community of a devoted church. That they're all together and they're in awe. They're like, we are keenly aware because God, you're moving. You're keenly aware. This whole 3,120, we're all together and keenly aware that God is so mighty. He's so awesome. He's so powerful. We're in complete awe with awareness of our limitations in comparison to him. We are limited, and he is what? Abundant. And what is generosity? To share in abundance. So the first thing for us to be generous, we have to tap into the abundant one because we're not abundant. Can I just, I just want to say, you don't have it in you and I don't have it in me to truly be generous at a biblical level. Why? Because at some point, something in your brain is going to say, I don't have enough.
that's where we, we're firmly planted on reverence to say, but God, he has enough. Psalm 36, 7, how precious is your unfailing love, O God. All humanity finds shelter in the shadow of your wings. You feed them from the uh, abundance of your own house. Hmm. Letting them drink from your river of delights. Can I just say to you, the church should be the most abundant house that exists in the world? Why are we not? Because I think we don't fully believe we're not, we're not firmly planted and rooted on a foundation of reverence. I'm an abundant God. Reverence produces a right perspective. It shifts our paradigm. It's the only foundation generosity can be healthy from. Listen, I'm going to say that again. Reverence is the only foundation generosity can be healthy from. Why? Because reverence helps eradicate the weeds in the human heart that make everything about what I get rather than what I get to give because of his abundance. You need my time? What can I do for you? So we have an opportunity to be generous, an opportunity to share in God's abundance by giving beyond what is necessary or expected. I want you to know something. We're a generous church. I watch this over and over and over again. You know when the kids, San Marcos Elementary, it's crazy to me. We help these little guys out or we, we're, we're giving food out or we're, we're involved in an international mission. I love the fact that the heart of those of you who are engaged in these generous acts always leave things with more than was what was expected. One year, the kids down the street needed, needed some uniforms, San Marcos Elementary. And we ended up getting them two sets of uniforms, had money left over, ended up then giving a scholarship to a student who was originally an elementary school student at the school who went on, who is now in college. And the teachers of San Marcos Elementary School were pooling their money together because they got zero support. And they were pooling their own resources together out of their salaries and giving this former student this very small scholarship. And it wasn't, I'm not pointing out the fact that it was small, so I, I was negating the power of it. But they were doing everything they could. And we said, hey, listen, we have this money left over. What do you think about doing this? That would be amazing. And then we said, well, here's the deal. It's not going to come from us. We're going to give the money to you, and it's going to be your name on that. That's generosity. We are a generous church. I want to remind you of that. We're a generous church because I think we, we're really good at holding in line. God, you're abundant. I'm limited. And so I'm just going to keep pressing on your abundance rather than my mindset of limitation. A generous church is rooted in relationship. Generosity reveals how I relate to God by how I relate to other people. Let me say this again. Generosity reveals how I relate to God by how I relate to other people. So how we relate to people, you know, that we're blessing, how we relate to one another. Can I tell you that the first place that we should actually show how we relate to people is within the church? It's biblical. 
Let, 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 me, let, let me kind of flip this over. All the people, it says in verse 44, all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. So this first church was generous in how they related to one another with their time, their possessions, their money, their food, their joy. It says they sold property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. So here's the principle. If they saw a need within the church, they did whatever it took to take care of that need and more. It's a, it's a principle of take care of home first by being the first to be generous to the needs of the home. It's like a race to the front of the line. If we were handing things out, lots of people would race to the front of the line. But when it comes time to hand things out, <laughs> everyone's like, I'm just going to hang back. I want to see if, we, did, did they meet their goal first? Golf clap. So amazing. What a beautiful thing. Man, I want to race to the front of the line to be generous. I want people to go, hey, we think that we have a need, and I want, I want our church to be the first one to wrap our arms around our community and go, what do you need? How can we love you because Christ loved us? And how I relate to God and his love for me by sending his son Jesus is how I want to relate to one another. And there's a principle that we need to relate to one another as the church first and foremost. Now, what fight, I just want to talk about what, what's fighting us a little bit in this right now. It's a current state of individualism. <laughs> okay? And it makes it really difficult for our society to read this passage and reconcile it in their brain. So, so individualism is, um, we don't exist for the broader, I'm going to even say this, we don't exist as a generation in a multitude of generations. We exist and everything that exists around us is there to feed me, fuel me, make me successful, my house, my car, my education, me, my, mine, I. Individualism. America, statistically, is at the top of the heap. I also want to tell you that America is on the bottom of the heap in terms of quality of life living, which should, that should blow your mind. We are worse than third world countries when it comes to quality of life. You're like, how? We have running water. We have, it's because our society is steeped in individualism. So when we hear generosity to one another and we see this, this perspective, biblical perspective of who we are as family, which is a hard concept for us because some of us have a really bad history of family. So we're like, no, 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 no. I don't want, no, 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 no. I don't like my family. I get it. My family didn't do, your family actually doesn't exist to make you successful. My wife said smile when I say hard things. And she also tells me I'm awkward because I tell you what I should just do. She's texting me right now, I guarantee you. She's like, you're not supposed to tell them. You're just supposed to smile. (laughs) 
Galatians 6, 7, don't be misled. You can't mock the justice of God. You will, all, you will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death that is from that sinful nature. This is like the verse on individualism. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature. It's about me. Everything exists. Get over yourself. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So that, it says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, I love this, dude. This is so good. Whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Whenever we have the opportunity, not whenever you feel like it. I said it with a smile. And then we spiritualize it. We're like, I just don't feel like the Lord's really calling me to do that. I'm like... Bro, you're doing the God told me card, right? Because if I'm like, nah, God told me. It's like, well, what are you going to say to me then? <laughs> like, is my voice bigger than God's? Yeah, there is a God who told you, little G, probably looks a lot like yourself. It's called an idol. And I'm like... This is a really inopportune time. It is never an inopportune time to be generous. Come on, family. Like, whenever the opportunity. And it's like, God, just give us an opportunity. And we want to run to the front of the line out of relationship. And I want to take care. I want you to thrive. What would happen if we prayed prayers like that? God, exhaust our bank accounts. Exhaust our time and our calendar. Exhaust everything that we could do. Just rip all the boxes we store stuff in called garages and, and, and like temporary storage. People are making millions of dollars on because we want to store our stuff. What if we just gave it away? I might need this. Hey, listen, I'm with you. I don't park my car in the garage. You know why? Because I got too many kids, man. I'm like, bro. Whenever we have, say it with me, the opportunity. You have an opportunity this morning. I guarantee you, you already had multiple opportunities today to be generous with your words, generous with your patience, maybe generous with your money, generous with your time. I think the church should be the place that no one ever has to stand up and say, we need volunteers to serve in XYZ. 
I, I think that the church should be beating down the door. Like, we should be like, bro, we're coming up with things for us to be actually act with generosity in. Can I just thank all of you who, who run to the front? Because we're a generous church. I don't want you to get the idea that I'm saying we're not a generous church. There are people in our midst, thank you very much for running to the front and saying, whenever there's an opportunity, I answer the call, I just run to the front. Thank you so much. That is so awesome. And we should do that. It's this, <laughs> I want to make a statement. One of the most spiritual and supernatural acts of the church is found in generosity. Not in prophecies, prophetic words, not in, not in praying for healings. You know when I read this, they were all in, they, they were all in awe. And the, it said the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And then it goes on. And the rest of those verses, to me, is more supernatural. Why? Because they sold what needed to be sold. They gave what needed to be given. They shared food together. They were all on the same page. That, I'm telling you, that's a supernatural act of God. <laughs> it is more supernatural for us as a church to say we are all in on generosity. I could stand up here and I could give you the, the most beautiful spiritual examples. We could, we could pray in tongues, right? It's, this is a lot of what Paul is talking about in Corinthians, by the way. He's like, you can do all these things, but if it's not rooted in what? Love. I'm going to tell you something. God loved us. He was generous with us. The best thing we can do is love each other and be generous. So we have to take the opportunity. I, like, I'm compelled. Like, oh, God, ha, like I have to do it. Why? Not because it's obligation, because I'm like, because, God, you've been so generous. So we, we're going to take the opportunity to relate to one another as Christ has related to us with generosity. And lastly, a generous church is rooted in gratitude. Gratitude. I'm going to define this. Quality of being thankful with a readiness. Stop. Gratitude is the quality of being thankful. Now, I could just be thankful for something with no readiness. Yeah, I'm really thankful. But what this gratitude implies is that our thankfulness produces something. Okay? Quality of being thankful with a readiness to show appreciation for and to return kindness. So when we read this, there's a deep sense of awe. Apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers met together. Verse 45, they sold their property and possessions, shared money with those in need. That's mind-blowing. They worshiped together at the temple each day. Are you kidding me? What if I was like, hey, we're going to have church every day now? <laughs> it just gives me more to miss. I mean, hey. <laughs> I don't usually attend anyway, so. <laughs> I'm saying that in jest because I want you to know you're missing out. How do I know there's an opportunity rooted in gratitude to be generous if I don't actually know you and I'm not with you? I don't hear your story. I don't see maybe the pain. 
But something phenomenal happens here. It says that they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while doing what? Praising. What? Praising God. To praise means to extol. It means to give thanks. So all the while they're giving thanks. What? Man, I just sold, I just sold some property that I just had. I just, I just gave somebody all the stuff that I was trying to garage sale, but I just gave it away. I just did, and, and, and after that, after all the circumstances, after everything that you think, God, I'm really having to be generous. <laughs> after meeting, sharing everything, selling property, possession, sharing money, they made a choice to praise. What? They made a choice. Gratitude is an attitude. And we have to choose. Attitudes can be chosen regardless of circumstances. I'm like, Lord, I just had to fix my, you know, I had to build fences around my house in the last two months, right? I'm like, put up, have you seen, do you know how expensive lumber is right now? I just basically built a new house, but it's just a fence. I'm like, I have a 30-year loan on my fence. <laughs> At darn near 6% now. I'm like, amazing. And, and don't you know... In the middle of, I'm like, I'm taking God, you know, I'm like, God, thank you. So this is what's funny. This is what God does. I'm like fixing my stuff. By the way, I haven't fixed, I, I had to fix all the stuff in my backyard that I had been putting off. You can kick the can down the road. So I'd kicked it for like 14 years. So I'm like, I got to fix all this. So I finally fixed it and it wasn't cheap. And don't you know, in the middle of that, then God pricks my heart and gives me an opportunity to be generous. And I'm like, uh, mm. Do you know how much money I just spent, God? He's like, oh. You want to praise yourself? Oh. I'm giving you the opportunity. <laughs> Regardless of circumstance, First Thessalonians 5.15, see that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. This is Paul saying, try to do good to each other, the church. And to all people is everyone outside the church. He's like, could you try to not be a total dirtbag to people? Don't respond the way that everyone else, like, you know, well, they're, they're stingy and grumpy and hateful, so I'm going to be the same. In Jesus' name. He says what? Always be joyful. Paul's like, hey, stay generous so that you can always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful. Have gratitude. In all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus Christ. I am not the owner of me. I'm not. 
I'm not the owner of this church. God has appointed me to lead this church and could remove me from it if he wants. And while I'm leading, I want to tell you something. I want to lead us with generosity, rooted in reverence, out of relationship that we're taking care of one another, full of gratitude. I want us to blow the minds of society. I want people to be like, I don't understand how this little church on the corner of the 78 freeway in San Marcos, California can be so stinking generous. But generosity out there is an overflow from being generous in here. Because if I was generous with all the other kids on the block, but I was never generous as a dad with my own children, you would call me an absentee father and my kids would be in therapy for the rest of their life. So we're gonna be super grateful, highly relational, rooted in reverence. Would you stand with me this morning? It's God's will for the church for us to have an attitude of gratitude because we belong to him. I love this. Gratitude unlocks the ability to be generous when it's difficult. It also takes the sting out of stingy. It's the root system that feeds our generosity. Let's close our eyes. If you were comfortable doing so this morning. As a church, we always aim at living generously out of reverence, relationship, and gratitude. And we are determined to choose an attitude of gratitude and will gladly respond with generosity. Next week, we're going to talk about what that looks like outside the church. We're going to talk more about that. I alluded to some of that. But today, I want to focus on our home. I want to focus on one another. Let me ask some questions, and this is for you to take away, for you to ponder. Is, does generosity feel more like an obligation or an overflow for you? Do you believe generosity flows from the abundance of God's supply of all your needs? Because he's supplied everything we need. God is asking, I want, you to, I want you to hear me when I say this. God is asking us, starting with me as a leader, and I'm gonna tell you something. He's asking us to turn and face him and step into the river of generosity to a greater degree. That's his ask of us. So this is what I would challenge you to do this week. Choose one act of generosity to share with the church. Your time. Listen, if you're a musician or an artist, you can stop and you can see Kehau. Kehau is just leading worship up here. And, and, and you can stop and see her. Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be generous with my time. Perhaps it is money. I don't know. That's not the point of the message. <laughs> but choose one. Yeah.
Lord, I just pray and ask. Um, I get this picture of a screen. And when I was a kid, I used to go with my grandfather out to the desert. I grew up by the beach, but um, my grandfather spent a lot of time with me in my middle school years when I suffered from alcohol and drug addiction at 11 years old. And he taught me the principle of mining for gold. And he had all these gold mines out in the desert and, and we would do, it's called dry panning. And it's, you get this big sifter box and you put dirt in and you sift it. And what's left is like these gold nuggets and all the stuff you don't want falls. I just feel like what the Lord is doing in our hearts this morning is a sifting because he wants the gold inside of us for us to really like to find that, to find the value that he's placed in you. Because some of you, um, and, and, and this is gonna make sense for some of you, some of you are living with a mentality that I, Pat, I love this idea of generosity, but I actually don't, I don't have anything of value to offer. And God is saying to you this morning that the value that he has placed inside of you, that, that part of generosity is, is it begins uncovering that and there's a sifting going on. If you would just take the challenge of stepping in, God wants to show you your value. And this is how it plays out. Some of you fight to try to see how you fit and how you belong. And God says this morning, it's about revelation. He wants to reveal to you this morning that you have a place and you have a value, that there's something that he's given you that when it's matched with everything else, when you bring your piece and it's put with all the other pieces, there's this amazing masterpiece. My seven-year-old loves, she's obsessed with puzzles. And a puzzle is a horrible picture if you want to just look at a piece. But when you put all the pieces together, there's something powerful. It's something that happens. It gets revealed. God wants to reveal a beautiful narrative and story through his church, specifically through our little church here in San Marcos. And in order to do so, Every one of us has to be willing to bring our piece of the puzzle. That you may say, well, Pat, all I have is an hour a week. Do you know that hour a week could be the hour that is, is needed to change someone's life? It's the hour needed potentially to help sit with someone and mentor them. I only have, you know, $20. Did you know how far $20 goes when there's 2,000 people saying I only have $20? There's something that God wants us to step into and and, and in that process, I just feel like there's a sifting in our heart. He wants you to see the value of what you bring. We, like, we, we're, we lose part of the power of who we are as the church without the revelation, rev, revelation of every piece. So, Father, I pray this morning that where the enemy wants to, to um, hinder us, get us stuck, restore joy. God, that we would be a house overflowing with joy because of our generosity. Not fake, I'm blessed, brother because that's what the Bible seems to tell us to say. It's not what I'm talking about. But there would be a true joy that bubbles up inside of us and floods out of this place. But let us first be impacted. 
Let us first be impacted so that we can bring impact to those who we're in family with. You're not going to want to miss next week. It's going to be so much fun to talk about what happens to the world around us. But let us start this week by being generous out of reverence, relationship, and gratitude. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen and amen. Go with a generous heart.